1: Network, your team every day. I'm Peter Bukowski and I cover the Packers for the Leap, a newsletter I would love for you to subscribe to. You can follow me on Twitter at Peter underscore Bukowski. Follow the podcast on Twitter at Locked on Packers. Like us on Facebook, subscribe to the podcast. On iTunes, on Spotify, on Google Podcasts, wherever you get podcasts, you will find Locked on Packers, the number one Packers podcast on the Internet and the show for fans who know what happened. They want to know why and how today on the show for Expert Tuesday, my pal and America's guest, Jason Hershorn, my co-founder at The Leap in newsletter. I would love for you to subscribe to at theleap.substack.com. And, of course, just an all-around good guy, a smart guy, and his video debut. So be kind. And uh, we are going to get into everything related to week one, any lingering thoughts we have there before we push forward into week four. Did I say week one? Week three, Sunday Night Football, into week four. Before we get to that, I wrote a piece for The Leap today, a newsletter I would love for you to subscribe to. And it was about really what I what I felt like was getting to the bottom of this game. Because when I looked at the final score, I felt like this was a game that was not nearly as close as the final score. I mean, not nearly as close as the final score indicated. And so I, I, I dug into it a little bit more. And there were two big reasons why. I felt like th- this game was not ended up not being as close as or being closer than the final score because the numbers can lie, the scoreboard can and often does lie. And in this case, there were two things driving it. Penalties and third and long conversions. Situationally the Packers got a little bit unlucky and the 49ers were awesome, 7 of 11 on third downs. Let's start with the baseline, though. The performance that the Packers put together, okay? They hold the 49ers rushing offense to 3.2 yards a carry. This was supposed to be a game where the Packers were going to get trucked. They were going to get run over by this 49ers rushing attack. Trey Sermon, it didn't matter. It didn't matter who was going to be back there. They were going to get run over. Trent Williams and Alex Mack and this offensive line, plus Kyle Shanahan, George Kittle, all these guys, They were going to do what they've been doing to the Packers for years, right? That's it's really not years, but that's how it feels because of how 2019 went. The Packers' run defense was excellent. Pass rush, they blitzed more aggressively. They hit Jimmy Garoppolo 11 times in this game. They held him to 6.4 yards per attempt, and they forced him into two turnovers. Devondre Campbell almost had another interception, and... This was a game where Green Bay, it felt like, could have forced three or four turnovers. They held the 49ers to 4.6 yards per play. The Packers, on the other hand, put up six yards per play. That gap, 1.4 net yards per play. Net yards is one of those stats that I love That that is an indicator for how good a team is and how good a team is going to be moving forward net yards per play this is this is long held as the one of the gold standards in gambling for example you want to figure out how good a team really is look at net yards per play 1.4 net yards per play is a huge number last year the best team in the league had a net yard per play average of one one so 1.4 would have been the best mark in the league the packers were play to play extremely extremely good in this game on both sides of the ball but here's what happened the 49ers converted 7 of 11 as I mentioned they converted a third and four on a four-yard pass to Debo Samuel that Darnell Savage almost not only broke up but intercepted they had a third and five by a penalty in the red zone on an incomplete pass that Eric Stokes I don't need to relitigate this. I did not think it was a very good call, but I I understand why it was called. Tough call on Eric Stokes. Third and five sets up the touchdown at the end of the first half. A penalty that extended a drive, set up a touchdown that would have been a stop. They had a third and five and it ends up being a touchdown. They had a third and goal, ends up being a touchdown. Now, Now in the second half, third and nine. They get a 16-yard play to Debo Samuel. Third and eight, they get an eight-yard touchdown to Brandon Ayuk. Third and 14, a phantom DPI call by penalty. That drive ends in a touchdown. Third and 10, they get a 39-yard pass to George Kittle. Third and 10, they get a 12-yard pass to Debo Samuel. Those are both on the final drive for the 49ers of the game. And you just aren't going to win games converting third and eight or more. Five of their seven third down conversions were third and eight or better. And one of them was by penalty. They got another third down conversion by penalty. That means six of their seven conversions were either by penalty or in third and long situations. We talked about this a little bit last week with the offense. I said, not everything is fixed. Because they converted some third and longs. Those things are just not sustainable. They had some penalties. Just not sustainable. You cannot win that way regularly. So to me, defensively, you're going to look at the scoreboard. 28 points. That's a lot. Couldn't get stops when they needed them. That's that's a bummer. Situationally, couldn't keep the 49ers from scoring in the red zone. Penalties were a big factor. Third and long. And third and long plays where they had... Jimmy Garoppolo, done. I mean, that that Debo Samuel conversion, they have Kenny Clark has him dead to rights, is about to take his head off. Jimmy G makes a nice play to Debo Samuel, who makes a contested catch over Jair Alexander. The third and eight in the red zone. They've got a seven-man pressure against a seven-man protection. Joe Barry brings Oren Burks off the backside. He is running free. Seven-man pressure versus seven-man protection. You should have that blocked up. They get a free runner at the quarterback, and Jimmy G stares down the barrel of the proverbial gun and makes the throw on the seven route to the corner and in front of J.R. Alexander. You've got your best corner. I mean, this is the best case scenario for your defense. You create pressure. You get a free runner at the quarterback on third down, and you make the quarterback throw at your best defensive player, your best cornerback. He can't make the play. Brandon Ayuk runs a spectacular route. It is a terrific play for Jimmy G to hang in there and make a throw. But when you get pressured as much as Jimmy G did, you're going to make mistakes. The interception, the fumble, the near other interception to Devondre Campbell on third and one. The Packers disguise pre-snap, double-A gap blitz look. Jimmy G thinks they're coming. They back out of it but he immediately feels Rashawn Gary off the edge because he wins to the corner. He gets the ball out faster than he wants to. It goes right to Devondre Campbell. He's got to jump up a little bit. I'm sure he would tell you he needs to make the catch. It would have been a very nice play if he made it, but uh, it was an incomplete pass and and the 49ers have to punt. There were two third and shorts at least where I was like, why are the 49ers not going for this? I don't understand it, but they didn't. I'm not going to argue God bless him, Kyle Shanahan. You do you, guy. I thought Trey Lance could have played more, especially in those third, fourth down situations. Like, wh- that's what you have him for? Why are you not using him? I don't I don't quite understand why that's, that's happening. But look, not, not my fault. Not my thing. Not my show. You can go listen to Locked On 49ers for that. Not my chair, not my problem. That's what I say. No way. No way. So, Green Bay, I thought defensively, paid, they played better than the final numbers will indicate. Now, does that mean everything is fixed? No. No. There were still issues in coverage. Um, there were still too many times when the, the four-man rush did not get home. I appreciated the willingness to show pressure and show different kinds of looks. To to show six-man pressure and rush four. To create free rushers in the blitzing game. And on third down, Joe Barry He heated them up. I think this pass rush is going to get better. I thought TJ Slayton did some nice things in this game in some limited snaps. Uh, I thought Tyler Lancaster had his best game of the season by far. And Devondre Campbell has been steady. I, I was I was critical of Campbell in the first game. He looked slow and he has been really good since especially the second half of that Lions game. He was terrific on Sunday night. And Darnell Savage made the most plays that we've seen him make in a game this season. He was flying around the field. And so against a team that is not as well schooled, not as well designed, not as well coached, not as well called as the 49ers, that doesn't have as good uh, a blocking as the 49ers. This was uh, one of the best pass blocking uh, offensive lines in the league to start the season and was very good last year when they were healthy. You're gonna, you're gonna be, you're gonna be able to make a little bit more hay, right? Now, can they be an elite group? We'll see about that. Now, the good news for the Packers is they are touchdown favorites at home against the Pittsburgh Steelers this weekend, um, a, a team that offensively has shown no ability to push the ball down the field, has shown no ability to run the ball effectively, has shown no ability to block for Ben Roethlisberger, and is coming off a game that they lost to Joe Burrow and. Zach Taylor, Zach Taylor. I don't. I, I think he's one of the three or four, maybe five, uh, least competent coaches in the league. Uh, I, I don't know what what is going on over there. And and they they dominated the Pittsburgh Steelers. Najee Harris, nineteen targets on Sunday. Nineteen targets for a running back. Nineteen targets. Yeah, he had hundred yards. Nineteen targets. I mean, he averaged like seven yards a catch. Okay. Great, congratulations! Those are tight end numbers and bad tight end numbers. Tight ends that get 19 targets, they they usually produce a lot more than that. That's Darren Waller. That's Travis Kelsey. You know, that's Rob Gronkowski in his prime. This offense, I think, is is a a, a very good opportunity for this Packers defense to continue to make strides. We've seen incremental progress. Week one, disaster. Maybe should have played in the preseason a little bit, learning a new defense. Week two. Okay, bad start. And then you get into the the second half. They start to feel it. And then week three, this defense I start, I thought really started to tune it up. They're 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 hitting the details a little bit better. They're communicating a little bit better. Joe Barry is calibrating his aggressiveness a little bit better. And I think you're starting to see a, a team that is figuring it out to a certain extent. All right, guys, this is an important thing I want to tell you about. I have I moved out of the city and I live in the suburbs now and that means I'm driving a lot more and that means I have to get gas and And I have figured out that I know where the expensive places to get the gas are and I know where the cheap places to get the gas are and I'm going to go find the places that are a little bit cheaper. Well, right now, my listeners, they're making 25 cents for every gallon of gas every time they fill up because they've downloaded the get upside app in the app store. Use the promo code TOUCHDOWN and get a bonus $0.25 per gallon on your first fill up. That's $0.50 cash back. Don't pay full price at the pump anymore. Get cash back using GetUpside. Just download the app for free and use promo code TOUCHDOWN to get $0.50 a gallon cash back on your first tank. And you can get your money out PayPal, bank account, e-card, Amazon gift card. Just download the free GetUpside app and use promo code TOUCHDOWN. Today's episode is also brought to you by our friends at Bet Online. They are back and better than ever. All eyes on the gridiron. Right now, football is king. It continues to be king. And as always, Bet Online is your number one spot for all the pro and college action this season with the new updated site and interface, even more odds, props, and contests. BetOnline.ag continues to be your number one source for everything football. Head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today to receive a free 100% welcome bonus. Not just free. They double your money. You put money in. Use the promo code Locked On. They will double it. Football, basketball, boxing, casino games. Uh, you could you could have wagered on the Ryder Cup over the weekend. Bet online is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your sports action when you use that promo code Locked On. All right, it is time now to bring in America's guest and my partner over at the Leap. Jason Hershorn, Jason, it is great to have you on. The first time you have been on video, it is good to see you. We don't normally do this face-to-face, so it is actually genuinely great to see you. <sighs> Yeah. You've always said that I'm too pretty
0: to be next to you in a video. It would be distracting that's right. for your listeners. And you want to give them all the best content that covers the Packers in the NFL. You don't want all of these other things distracting them. But, you know, the, it's 2021. Video is a part of our
1: job. And that's why we're doing this. I thought the time is now. I need I need the boost. I need the I need the clicks here that your beautiful face will bring. And so here you are. Thank you very much for for allowing me to objectify you in this way. Let me further objectify you this time for your football knowledge as we come off of the thrilling Sunday night game Packers and 49ers. And you know, we could talk about the ending of the game uh in in a little bit. What I thought was really interesting is the way that, that the Packers attacked this 49ers team. I said going into the game, be yourself. They didn't really do that, and they still found success. Y- you brought up something to me before we came on here that I thought was really interesting that you noticed about this offense. What was it?
0: Well, when we were discussing not just what that game would look like for the leap, but sort of what we could expect from this team, in this offense moving forward, we'll in terms of variations of those LaFleur, Shanahan, McVay concepts. But then you look at the way that that game unfolded, that the way that the game was called from LaFleur's perspective, that was not a Shanahan game. That was not a LaFleur game. and I don't mean this is a bad thing. This is a way in which LaFleur and his coaching staff really adapted their approach for the personnel that they had and maybe adapted it for the defense that they were going to face. You know, part of the reason that the Shanahan offense has become so popular around the league is because of the way that it attacks cover three defenses. But the past season, a lot of this season, they've seen a lot of teams dropping into two high try to take away that deep ball and dare them to run or play the quick game and those are things that you know the run is out of the shanahan offense but in this way it was very different we saw empty and yeah look mike or matt lafleur uses empty normally but not to that degree and he spammed rpos in a way that he does not normally do all of which seemed to be to get the ball out of rogers hands before that pass rush could get there before that compromised offensive line could give way. And given those terms, that's just really smart, even if it's well outside of what they normally do. And, you know, looking forward, it doesn't just uh, provide evidence that this coaching staff can adapt as the NFL adapts to them, but also that even as injuries come and go, that they're going to be able to adapt really well to their personnel. And I thought from that perspective, from the offensive perspective, it was a very well coached game for the Packers.
1: Yeah. And and I think what's really interesting is you look at some of these other coaches, right? So Sean McVay, he has Jared Goff and, and they go heavy play action and it's shots and layups, right? And then Kyle Shanahan, he's got Jimmy Garoppolo. They're running the same sort of version of it with, with a, a limited quarterback. And both guys go out and get quarterbacks who can play the game a little bit differently. In Stafford's case, it's drop back. We saw against the Buccaneers. They did not go heavy play action mm-hmm. in that Absolutely. game. This was this was not the, the, you know, let's play a bunch of 12 personnel and try and, and create that way. This was shotgun and let Matthew Stafford go cook. We don't know quite what the offense with Trey Lance is going to look like, but we think it's going to mean a lot more quarterback runs, a lot more shots down the field, and it is a different way to play. They understand that this is going to require some of those changes, and the Packers making changes that really play to a lot of Aaron Rodgers strengths. I, I wonder though, when you look at the way that let's say a team like Tampa wants to attack them and when they're able to create pressure, when they're able to get pressure with four, especially um, do you think these kinds of changes the go to empty? Cause they did that in the NFC championship game too. And they struggled mm-hmm. to get that front blocked. Are they going to need more, more counters than this to beat a team like the Rams this season, the Buccaneers this season. Yeah, I think the answer to that is yes, because when you go as much
0: empty as the Packers did, usually that re- that has, ends up with the defense really going into zone and sitting on those routes to take those quick passes away. If you look at the Bears game the same weekend, they went to a lot of empty too, and that's the way that they were defended. That's why that offense had one of the worst days in recent NFL history. So it's not just that going to empty automatically cures that issue, just going to quick game and those quick RPO passes. It is the way that you implement those things because the Packers didn't use much play action at all. I think it was single digit play action, like true play action drops. That's extremely rare for that offense, but they didn't just do the same quick. They didn't just do the same little like nuances you know they were running real deep shots off of that you know kind of quick game look they didn't do that very often but it was sort of like a, a counter to what they figured the 49ers were going to do and obviously they were attacking the weakness of that 49ers defense that really really beat up secondary that may not be the case with the rams or with the buccaneers but yeah it is going to require more, more adjustments because if you just go to empty and you just try to go to quick game there is a pretty clear response that nfl defense have to that and so This is the first evolution of what LaFleur is going to have to do with that offense. And there's going to be but that's the case in any season. And it is, again, a good indication that LaFleur and his coaching staff are able to
1: make those adjustments in this instance. And that they have the personnel to do it, because it's one thing for the coaches Mm -hmm. to say, oh, yeah, we know how to counter this. And it's another thing for the players to be in a position to actually make those plays work. We saw Marquez Valdez-Scantling get more involved, Alan Lazard get more involved, almost by necessity, because of the mismatches they were able to create. Let's flip sides of the ball here, Jason. Um, I I thought there were some promising things from Joe Barry. I liked the aggressiveness. He was a lot more uh, mysterious in pre-snap disguises, I thought brought more pressure. What did you see from Joe Barry in this game? The bringing more
0: pressure was probably the most noticeable difference. We saw that in week two during the second half. That yep. seemed to be the big adjustment that they made and brought that into this game. What I think, though, is still ultimately concerned is the Packers offense spotted them. Basically at halftime with a 17 point lead. And obviously the, the kick return that set up that touchdown mm. is not Joe Barry's fault. That's a special teams issue. That's something the Packers are probably gonna have to deal with most of the year, but that you cannot put on Barry. However, you still spot them with a, a double digit lead going half. And, They completely ruined that. You know, it wasn't over a single possession, but you saw that the 49ers figured something out. They figured out a way to move the ball. And that's really problematic when you consider that they were that the 49ers were pretty one dimensional. That run the run offense was not working for them in any single way. Even the the George Kittle jet sweep, which was very creative. It's a good way of trying to get one of your best players the easier way to do it. It still was really, really hard for them to. Run the ball, and even with intentional offense, and even with Jimmy Garoppolo inventing new ways to move the ball, I think that's probably the most charitable way that I can put it—they <laughs> were still able to find the holes in the Packers' defense, and the Packers' defense was able to create more pressure than they have the first two games. And there were breakdowns. So, I- until we see otherwise, you have to look at this Joe Barry defense as a problem. So Darius Smith, presumably back, that will help things. It'll certainly help things with the pass rush is such a defense, especially one that does not intend to blitz very often. But those, those coverage breakdowns, those miscommunications are going to be something that we have to monitor pretty much the entire season. You know, Maybe as Eric Stokes gets more experience and fewer of those breakdowns happen, that's going to help. But it's not just going to be one or two things. I mean, this is a question of can this defense over the course of an entire game get to
1: competent, not even great. And the expectations for the unit were much higher entering the season. What what has your impression been of Eric Stokes through two games here, his first game as a starter, although really I, I think you can make the case against against the Lions at the very least he was their preferred boundary corner guy in nickel. What has what have you seen from him through two games.
0: That's an important distinction, right? That he's been the preferred guy on the boundary for basically the last six quarters, and that's very good. That they trust him in those situations. Now he has that speed that's going to help with a lot of those things, and he has seems to have the awareness to use the sideline to his advantage. The big problems for him right now, and this is the case for a lot of rookie corners, even extremely talented ones, is that he's over aggressive. But you can deal with over aggressive in the way that he is. He's over aggressive in terms of you know, close quarters contact. He's not over aggressive in terms of, oh, that guy just made a cut. I need to go grab him. You know, that was the <laughs> issue with Josh Jackson. That even yep, though that's a different kind of aggression. Yeah. Even though it's a different kind of aggression, that's something that's a lot harder to coach out of those cornerbacks. Eric Stokes' issues, they still need to be corrected. But we've seen that kind of problem be corrected over the course of even. A rookie season let alone over a career so overall the Packers look at Eric Stokes first three games you we know, up two and a half games he didn't really play that much in that first one but I think they look at it as being very promising and they need it to be right because Kevin King was not available and even if he is you know that is not a long-term solution uh stole a missed time with an injury he will presumably be okay but you know that's he's gotten dinged up before so so they don't have a lot of depth beyond those top four guys and really top three, considering that he to be, you know, he's being phased out, it seems. So, yeah, they need Stokes to play. They need him to play well. And they need him to play well now.
1: So speaking of rookies needing to play and needing to play well now, the Packers' offensive line on Sunday night, we knew Josh Myers going in, going to be the, the starter, rookie center. We knew Rice Newman going in was going to be the starter, rookie right guard. But then we get this... Kind of crazy report from from Ian Rappaport that Josh Nijman is going to be the starter at left tackle rather than, you know, get a, a little crazy with some of the the different machinations that they can get into, move Billy Turner to left tackle, Dennis Kelly plays right tackle, lead Billy Turner where he is, play Dennis Kelly. How surprised were you when we when we let's get to the quality of the play in a second? How surprised were you when we saw that report at first? Well, you can't say it was shocking. This was a possibility that we all considered with.
0: It's possible. It was not an A, I think, from the perspective of those who covered the team. As Yash Nijman has barely played in the regular season, at least not from scrimmage. That doesn't mean that he can't do those things. I mean, we, we saw how he played on Sunday, but Billy Turner has flipped over to left tackle. Dennis Kelly was a starting right tackle all of last year for the Tennessee Titans, a team obviously with connections to Lafleur, so that seemed to be the most logical move: is to move Billy Turner from right to the right side to the left side, bring Dennis Kelly in, and this—I mean, independent of the performance, this speaks to what the Packers think about Yash Nijman because came into the league as an undrafted free agent with be a lot of health concerns you know that was the main reason frankly that he was not drafted it wasn't his athletic profile was not his size it was those injury concerns and to date he has really developed into an NFL player that doesn't mean that he's a starting caliber player at least not yet but the fact that he's made it to this point I think is incredibly impressive considering where he began
1: When we when we were watching the game live, you know the, the Packers were able to get uh, a lot of help for for Josh in terms of it, it, the way that he was able to handle Nick Bosa. Mercedes Lewis um, had had some key blocks. Big Bob Tunyon leveled him on on a chip block. Uh, Alan Lazard, I would say, got in his way is the most generous way to describe what what he did uh, on the Aaron Jones touchdown. But they they for the most part did not have to send a bunch of help. We talked about their ability to play out of empty. I mean, for them to say, hey, we're going to we're going to play five man protection on the road with two rookie starters and one undrafted free agent who's really our third string tackle. I thought that was a a gutsy play call. And the way that I phrased it in our newsletter from from Monday on the leap was it was gutsy because it worked. Had it not worked, we would have gone. It would have been a, a WTF situation. So just the execution of it. What were your impressions of of how the offensive line played on Sunday night?
0: Yeah, there's a fine line between clever and stupid, right? Like (laughs) it worked and that is going to certainly embolden them to take this approach moving forward. If Elton Jenkins is not available for week four or beyond that, but You know, they mitigated the issue through play calling. And then the other thing that we have to talk about that we really haven't is they mitigated it through Aaron Rodgers. Right. Like if you even put an above average starter in that situation, you know, that approach could still work, but it's not going to work as well as it did on Sunday. Aaron Rodgers mitigated a lot of those problems. You know, he mitigates a lot of problems for an offense in terms of personnel. That's how good he is. as, As it turns out, the reigning MVP is good at playing football. So. He took a lot off the offensive line's plate. The play calling took a lot off the offensive line lines plate. And yeah, they went strong left often, you know, to get Mercedes loose there. To get you know that, that wham block that you were d- describing from Robert Tony, maybe the best block I've ever seen him throw, uh, which it, you know it, it's an improving part of his game. That's certainly good to see from him. But yeah, the play calling and Rodgers were the big reasons I think this approach worked. Given that. Nick Bosa was across the line of scrimmage, you know, against other defenses. They may not have to do that, even if Yash Nijman is there. But again, they looked at the opponent. They knew how that opponent was going to attack them in the trenches, and they came with a game plan that mitigated it. And it was a risky one, but you can understand, having seen the way they pulled it off, why
1: they went with that approach. So as we push this forward here and as we finish up, um, as we as we look at the rest of the season, you and I talked about this. Uh, I don't think it was immediately after the Lions game, but, but, you know, just sort of in the, in the following days after that, we were just sort of talking and like, okay, at what point do we start to say week one for the Packers is just kind of some fluky stuff. I don't think we're there yet. Two games does not, does not prove that week one was just this, this weird thing. How, how close for you are we, or are we there at all? I think we can have a nuanced version of this discussion
0: for the Packers offense. No, we can. I do think that you can. Ju- Let's talk radio, Jason. I think Jason. you can just. <laughs> you know, I, you are the the sports talk professional, and I am the novice here. But look, if you look at it from the perspective of the Packers offense. I think you can view those four quarters as an anomaly. For the Packers defense, we've seen those issues continue to crop up. So Mm. neither answer is definitive, but based on what we've seen from this offense over the course of the past two seasons and change, because this is a continuation of the LaFleur-Rodgers approach, you can feel pretty good about that. Because, you know, outside those four quarters and really that slow start against Detroit, they have been the offense you expect them to be, at least within the range of reasonable outcomes. The defense is a different story. And yeah, new scheme. You know, even if it doesn't seem radically different from the one they had under Mike Patton, you can look and see how they're doing. You know, there is more zone. There are, I mean, more importantly, there, there's less press. That's the way that they approach things from a coverage perspective. And that's going to be a big change for virtually everybody other than maybe Adrian Amos, who's played in a version of this scheme before, but- right. Yeah, there, there's going to be a, a, a transition period that goes beyond even the first month of the season, but that doesn't mean that you can look at the problems and say those will eventually go away when they are more versed in that defense. When Zadarius Smith returns to the lineup, I, I look at this and say, yeah, some of these problems will probably get corrected, but you know. Two out of nine problems is, is solved is not nearly enough for a team that has legitimate Super Bowl aspirations. It's certainly a legitimate Super Bowl quality offense. So I think you have to look at the defense and say this is very close to being a real trend. And, and it would be frankly a little surprise took some massive leap over the next two weeks. Not impossible, but it would be surprising. Whereas those four quarters against the Saints defense. Uh, from the Packers offensive perspective, you know, they got behind early. That changes the way that you can call the game. I think that game just got away from them. If that had happened in, let's just say, week nine, I don't think there's a lot of discussion about it being like a long term problem. It just happened to be the first thing we saw from the number one offense because they didn't play the play in the preseason. And then you extrapolate from that, at least when you're on talk radio.
1: And that's where we are. If only the Packers could play a decrepit aging quarterback who looks like he does not want to throw the ball more than 10 yards down the field behind an offensive line that doesn't seem like they can block anyone. If only that could be the case, Jason. Uh, Let let our listeners and our YouTube audience uh, know where they can find more of your work, including all of the great work that you do at the leap. Yes. Well, The Leap, again, is the newsletter covering the Packers that
0: I do with Peter. You can go subscribe at theleap.substack.com. You can find me on Twitter, as if you're watching YouTube, you can see on your screen, by underscore JBH. I write for spnation.com, nfl.com, freelance in a bunch of places.
1: So come find me. Please go find him and you will consistently find him at The Leap and pretty regularly on Locked on on Packers. Locked on Plackers, you might find him. I don't know. I don't run that, that podcast. Jason, thanks. Thank you, Peter. All right. I want to thank Jason again for joining the show. Always great to talk to our friend. Mr. America's guest, Jason Hershorn. Today's episode is brought to you by Rock Auto. With the ever-increasing number of makes and models, it's now impossible for your local chain store to stock all the parts that you need. So why endure often pointless or seemingly intimidating questions and wait while the person behind the counter orders the parts on their computer, choosing... Only the brands, their warehouse happens to carry. You have computers with access to rockauto.com at home or in your pocket. So why choose to spend 30%, 50%, 100% more from a chain store or car dealership? Don't do that. Go to a family business that's been serving do-it-yourselfers for over 20 years and never overpay. They have the same low prices for professionals and do-it-yourselfers. Go to rockauto.com now check out their website, check out the inventory, everything your car will need from brake lamps to tail lamps, brake parts, motor oil, everything you could possibly need and write locked on in there. How did you hear about us box? So they know we sent you. And betting on the Packers doesn't have to be a guessing game. If you listen to the new Lockdown on Bets podcast hosted by your boy Q and handicapping expert Lee Sterling. Get daily picks, blowout specials, wrong team favorite picks, and Lee Sterling's lock of the day. Follow the Lockdown Bets podcast brought to you by betonline.ag wherever you get podcasts. All right, we're going to be back tomorrow. Lily Zhao here for everyone's favorite game. So how you doing. Uh, we have our crossover Thursday. My buddy Chris Carter will be here from Locked On Steelers, and we will be live again on Friday. Live show. You guys came out in droves. You came out in droves for the live show, uh, and uh, guess what? Not a primetime game, but you guys love this thing so much, so much. We are going to go live after Packers Steelers on Sunday night because... There's going to be a gap between that and Sunday Night Football. You're not going to miss anything. I'm not going to miss anything. So we're going to go live after the game. Packers-Steelers. Locked on Packers YouTube. Go subscribe there. And I also just want to say, I want to thank everyone for being a part of the Locked on Packers community. And making lockdown packers your first listen in the morning. And I, I appreciate there are so many people who start their day with Lockdown packers. Make us your first listen. If you don't, hey, look, lockdown packers goes great with a cup of coffee, maybe a bagel. I like, I love a peanut butter toast. I've been I've been doing toad in the hole, you know, the bread with the egg in there. Lockdown Packers goes great with there. So first listen. Appreciate all of you that make Locked On Packers your first listen. Follow me on Twitter, Peter underscore Bukowski. Follow the podcast on Twitter, Locked On Packers. Like us on Facebook. Subscribe to the podcast, iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts. Wherever you find podcasts, you will find Locked On Packers. And anytime you want to hit us up on the Locked On Packers fan hotline, you can do that, 920-341-3775 to stay Locked On Packers. Subscribe to The Leap.